0: In 2017, Tony Romo, the former Dallas Cowboys quarterback, signed a record television contract with CBS Sports to call NFL games. Ten years, $180 million. It sent shockwaves all over the sports media landscape, shockwaves that we're still feeling today. I call Tony Romo the face of the the show-me-the-money boys, and that list includes... Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Pat McAfee, Tom Brady, Skip Bayless, and Colin Cowherd. The sports media world has been very, very good to these guys. But there's another group, and I call them the Diversity, Extortion, and Income group. That group feels like the Show Me the Money boys are getting overpaid. And the diversity, extortion, and income group led by Stephen A. Smith feels like they're getting overpaid because they're white. Stephen A. Smith is the face of this group. He's been having an eight-year-long contract negotiation with ESPN about who is the face of ESPN, who's going to be the highest paid. And it's all coming to a crescendo. Stephen A. is the face of the diversity, extortion, and income group. Shannon Sharp's on that team, Ryan Clark, Maria Taylor, Mina Kimes, and Jamel Hill. Here's what's funny. Both groups answer to the exact same puppet masters. The Show Me the Money Boys, they're represented by CAA and WME, they're rep- represented by the exact same puppet masters as the Diversity, Extortion, and Income group. The puppet masters have pitted the show me the money boys versus diversity, extortion, and income. The latter group, Stephen A's group, they're playing the race card everywhere. These white guys, they're the problem, they're overpaid. They're treated better than us. Who's whispering in their ears telling them that? The puppet masters. They're all plants. They all work for the same team. We'll discuss it today. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday. Thanks for joining me. Awesome show uh, planned for you today. T.J. Mose, Steve Kim is going to join us. This episode is brought to you by <laughs> our good friends at Good Ranchers. Fall in love with beef, chicken, and seafood all over again by subscribing to GoodRanchers.com. Use my promo code FEARLESS to get $240 in free bacon with your order. Uh, Tiffany, did we put our order in yet? I want that bacon. I want that applewood smoked bacon. I'm so glad to have Good Ranchers back on board with us. Thank you so much, Good Ranchers. Uh, Goodranchers.com. Use my promo code FEARLESS. $240 in free bacon. Uh, I wanna go back (laughs) to my fire starter for today that I just previewed for you. We're in the era of the sports media money grab. Everybody's fighting over money. And there's a group of puppet masters, that secular elite crowd in Hollywood that that run all the major agencies, The, the secular crowd that doesn't think Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. They've disavowed Jesus Christ. They've disavowed belief in God. The secular elites, they get a cut of Tony Romo's money, Stephen A. Smith's money, Pat McAfee's money. Shannon Sharp's money. And they've pitted these two groups in a war over money. This, it's hilarious watching this play out. I, 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 wanna, I wanna go back, and give you just a bit more context before I, I dive deeper. I, I wanna start with, and some of you have heard me talk about this as it relates to my own career. I switched my major to journalism, I believe, in 1986 uh, after my first semester at Ball State University. And I switched my major to journalism in 1986 with no thought of ever acquiring any wealth as a sports writer. I did it because I thought the job would be fun. I did it because I thought I could make a difference and bring a level of honesty and reality and objectivity to sports media coverage, I did it because I was so disappointed with the way my hometown newspaper covered my favorite sports team, the Indiana Pacers. And I thought as a kid, and I started reading the paper when I was like 10, 11 years old, I thought as a kid, I can do better than this. Now, when I went off to Ball State originally on a football scholarship, I wasn't thinking about being a journalist, a friend, in my freshman year after I failed a math class, said, hey bro, uh, leave that math alone. You should be a sports writer. You read the newspaper every day, you love this guy, Mike Royko, you should do that. And that's when I switched my major to journalism, thinking I could be the Mike Royko of sports writing. I could make sports writing better. I could hold the actual athletes and executives accountable, and be a voice for sports fans. That's what I always thought was missing when I was a kid. It's like, I'm reading the newspaper, hey, no one's speaking for me. No one's asking the questions that hardcore, live and die with the Pacers, stay up late at night, listening to them on West Coast road trips, listening to the radio broadcast, keeping my own statistics, get up in the morning, read the newspaper, and I was always disappointed. Because the Pacers stunk back then, and, and no one would ask anybody any real questions. No one would hold anybody accountable for what I thought were really stupid decisions that made the team horrible. And so when I decided, after my freshman first semester at Wall State to switch my major to journalism, those were my thoughts. Like, oh man, I can make a difference. I can be a voice for the fan. I can be a voice for the reader. I could be a different type of journalist who actually tried to serve readers and not the people that they were covering. I thought this as a young kid, 19 years old, and I remember by the time I was a senior in college and I had actually went to a few classes because I didn't go to very many early (laughs) in my college stay. But I remember sitting there, we had this professor, Dr. Tendai Kambula, he had worked at the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer and he told us that he made around 65 to $70,000 a year at the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I sat in my chair in class and said, oh my God, I can make 65, $70,000 a year writing about sports and I could by the age of 40, I'll be making $70,000, oh my God. That will be amazing. Money was the last thing on my mind. Journalism was a passion. Journalism was basically taking a vow of being a working class stiff uh, for the rest of your life. And I was perfectly fine with that because I wanted to make an impact as a journalist. This is 1986, no one was getting rich, writing about, or super rich, writing about sports. No one was. Maybe Mike Royko was being a syndicated columnist all over the country, but that's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking about covering high school or college or maybe covering the Pacers one day by the time I reached age 40. You weren't gonna get rich that journalism the career was for passionate people that had a commitment to the profession. Journalism no longer exists anymore. The industries collapsed financially, newspapers lost their clout, the entire profession is now just a big money grab. Once you eliminate values, once no one brings any journalistic values to the equation, to their goal, to their work uh, mentality, greed and envy take control. That's what we're witnessing, and that's why we're seeing Stephen A. Smith and Ryan Clark negotiating publicly with ESPN. And that's why there's so much dishonesty that has been loosed in the sports media world. I entered this profession in 1990, thinking I was going to make an impact and make things better, I sit here 34 years later, it's like, holy cow, things are so much worse. I mean, if, if I thought back then the media didn't care about readers and fans, look at us now. The entire media worships the athletes that it covers. They're afraid to call them out, to criticize them in any way, to call out any of their errors. Everything is about the worship of these athletic idols. And that's how you get paid. You don't get paid for pursuing the truth. You don't get paid for holding anybody accountable. You don't get paid for serving readers, sports fans. Remember ESPN's motto is like, serving sports times anytime, anywhere. That's not what they do. That's not what any of the media does at this point, any of the corporate mainstream media. They serve athletes anytime, anywhere, and they serve themselves. They serve athletes because that's the best way to serve themselves. The exact same puppet masters, the agents, the big corporations that control professional sports, control the leagues and the teams, now control the media that covers the leagues and the teams. They're all in bed together, and they all got this big money grab going on, and they're all just angling and positioning themselves to get more and more money, and they they cover it up, their greed, they cover it up by, oh, I'm pretending to do something noble, and I'm talking about the diversity, extortion, and income group, the, the, the DEI group. Diversity, extortion. They're extorting people. They're using their diversity to extort corporations to increase their income. They're playing the race card constantly. They, they, they are constantly say, and, and again, the people, the puppet masters, whispering in their ear. See them white guys over there that are making more money than you? They got it because they're racist. You see, put up the list of the show-me-the-money boys. Uh, Tom Brady, $37.5 million. He's going to join Fox Sports next year and call NFL games. Uh, Troy Aikman, he's making $18 million. Uh, Tony Romo, he's making $17, $18 million. Uh, Pat McAfee, he's making $17 million. Joe Buck, $15 million. Al Michaels... Chris, Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, all these guys are getting paid enormous amounts of money. (laughs) The show me the money boys. And that group, diversity, extortion, and income, is irate. They're well paid as well, but they ain't paid enough and they're not getting paid like the show me the money boys. Both groups answer to the same people, take advice from the same people, and the diversity, extortion and income group have been told you're going to drive the narrative that racism explains why you're not getting paid as much money as the show me the money boys. We're going to have this big public feud between white men and black people, or as they love to say, people of color because they love to explain everything through that lens. And they love to pit these two groups against each other. You guys are mortal enemies. White men and people of color, you guys are mortal enemies. You hate each other. You're in competition with each other. One group get, has, that group has black privilege, you have white privilege. Just clash, 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 clash. And the puppet masters, the people actually orchestrating this, all they hear is cash registers ringing. Because they get a cut of everything. They're the house. So I want to play you uh, some of these clips that are driving uh, my narrative and, and, and are, are, are help, that will help you understand what's going on in the sports media world. And the price we're paying for it. And how it connects to the rest of society. I just want you to think about what I'm trying to convey to you. There's multiple things. One, the media doesn't serve you. That's an obvious one. And I think most people believe that. But the other thing, too, that I'm trying to uh, explain to you and get you to understand. You have been pitted. In a race war, black people versus the white man, there are handlers and puppet masters, the secular elite, that love the distraction of, man, these white dudes, man, these black people, these entitled black people, these privileged white people, get in the ring and go to war with each other. And, and, watch how easily everybody takes the bait from the diversity extortion and income group led by their leader, uh, Stephen, a Smith, he has no values and that's the common thread among virtually all of these people. They have no values in either group. Everything is about money. They don't stand for anything as America burns. Both groups, all they think about is, how much money can I stuff in my pocket? I don't stand for anything. If I have to pretend Colin Kaepernick is Muhammad Ali, if I have to go along with the emasculation of football and all these sports, if I have to go along with Marxist ideology, if I have to go along with globalism, just keep stuffing that money in my pocket and I'm all good. Because this second group, the people of color, the diversity, extortion, and income group, is getting a little less money than the white boys. They're more angry, and they're more transparent, and they're more aggressive in the fight. Here's Stephen A. Smith explaining, uh, I think this is in a podcast interview he did with Bustin' with the Boys. He basically explains his values and what his goal is. And and the, the, the whole American culture has been so... Uh, radicalized in terms of materialism, this is going to sound good to a lot of people. This, This will sound like, yeah, this is smart. All Stephen A cares about is the money. Play the clip.
1: If I have the opportunity to do an abundance of other things that I want to do, if that opportunity doesn't present itself, then I'll have decisions to make, and so will they. Um, I own my own production company. Um, I'm producing a docu-series. Actually, it comes out later this month. It's a three-part series on the history of sports commentators. I've got another series that has been green-lit, a drama series that I've created that I'm not at liberty to talk about, but it has nothing to do with Disney or ESPN. Um, I've created a drama series that's coming out. I've got my podcast, which is not really a podcast. It's a show. Why? Because I spent my own money in seven figures to build my own television studio. I want people to look at it and think hybrid. It's not linear. It's not digital. It could be both. You want a linear sports show? Got you. You want a sports digital show? Got you. You want a podcast? Got you. You want a late night show? Done. You want an afternoon talk show? Fine. You want me to be another version of PTI or something like that? Good. You want another creation of first take? Fine. You want me to create a weekly format show that would rival real time with Bill Maher or the John Oliver show or the Daily Show? Fine. Whatever it is, I can do it because I've shown I can do it and so that's where my mentality is having the doors open the opportunities available to me and being in the position to explore things that I may have never imagined because I never knew it was available to me because all anybody thought about when they saw me was sports. Now they don't like that anymore. They see my range. So who's to say whether it's me or somebody else that wants to work with me comes forth with a level of creativity and ingenuity necessary to say Stephen A, this is what we think we could do with you and for you. This is the kind of money that you can make because the one thing I will never apologize for I am about my money. I want to get paid. I ain't apologizing for that shit to anybody.
0: So, <clears throat> there he is, in and, and all his glory, and many people will hear that man, Stephen Age right on it. Th- this is amazing. What, what, why could Whitlock, how could he criticize this? How, how can he have anything negative to say? Of course he should be about his money. That's what the white man does. There are kernels of truth in that. Kernels of truth. But at some point, At some point, and just keep in mind, Stephen A. Smith and his attacks on me. he, He made reference to contacting his minister. He's pretending to have some sort of religious faith. And so if you're going to do that dance and pretend. Money cannot be your master. This type of talk about money, 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 and I'm about my money and I don't give, and then cursing about, you know, with this emphatic curse, blah, blah. If you don't have a higher calling, then can I make as much money, as as much money as possible? That's how you get exploited. That's how you get bent over. That's how you get turned out. That's how you get compromised. That's how you get so comfortable with telling people, hey, take this vaccine, even though you don't know anything about it. What you're basically doing with that that whole speech is like, I'll do anything. And when I say anything, I will do anything for money. Tell me where I need to be, what I need to do, how much do I need to take my clothes off, what? Just tell it to me and I will do it. This is the love of money being the root of all evil. This is how you get so comfortable with untruths and the biggest truth that Stephen A. Smith tells because the puppet masters tell him to tell it, but he just contradicted. How long did this man go on about all the opportunities that are available to him? How long did he go on? Just opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It was an incredible long list. But that same man wants to say, man, it's racist over here in America. I'm being held down. The man is stopping me from doing X, Y, and Z. I'm dealing with racism, y'all. Really? After... And again, this is when when they're removed from reality, removed from regular people, have an elitist mentality. They're completely unrelatable. But your idolatry makes you like them. And your love of your own love of money, your own envy of how much money they have and your love of their celebrity stops you from seeing what this man is actually saying. He's nothing like you. The entire world has been offered up to him on a plate. He can do anything. He can build studios. He can, he's got every opportunity in the world. Is that how you're living? And I'm not asking you to be jealous of him. I'm asking you to ask, is that man really speaking for you? When he tells you how racist America is and how black people are denied opportunities, is he really speaking for you? When he tells you all oh, this white man over here, X, Y and Z about him and he's terrible and he's holding me down. Is he really speaking for you or have the puppet masters told him? We must promote conflict between the white man and the black man at every turn. We must convince black people that they're at war with the American white man. Stephen A, go out there and dance and sell that message. And he does. And we fall for it, our racial idolatry. We fall for it. Here's a clip of Ryan Clark, who has taken his uh, negotiation with ESPN very, very public. He's he's following Stephen A. Smith's lead. Here's Ryan Clark. This started three, Three years
2: ago, I did my ESPN deal. It wasn't what I wanted. You know, like I realized, it was like I had to do more. And uh, like, honestly, I felt played. <laughs> and you know, the worst thing for anybody that's from the Orleans is to feel played. But I felt like I deserved something that they didn't feel like I deserved. And so I set out that day and I said, that day, that in three years, I'll be the best in the world doing this. That there'll be no stone left unturned. I leave no doubt that there was nobody in the world that was like me. So I started my own stuff, bro. Like I started the pivot. I, I did the work. I got on the road. You know, I went to every show they put me on and made sure I crushed it. And so now, Here we are again, the season's over, inside the NFL, it's finished, and somebody got to pay the piper. And it's either, you know, we get what we want, or we make a decision to stand on what we're worth. It's not that I think that I should be paid more than anybody that does the job. I just want, you know, I just want what I'm worth. And if
0: they think, too, that I'm the best doing it, then that's what I have to So, So, uh, that's Ryan Clark negotiating publicly, and, you know, he's the best to do it, and if they agree, he needs to be paid, and he's following Stephen A. Smith's lead. Now, here's Shannon Sharp, who... <laughs> I'm a little bit reluctant to say he's following Stephen A. Smith's lead because Shannon's carving out his own lane. But to some degree, he is following Stephen A.'s lead, or he's caught up. Same puppet masters, same advisors, same information being passed on to him. And, and Shannon is like the epitome of this whole valueless, I'll do anything for money mentality that is pervasive among these media elites. People of color. We played this clip for you earlier in the week, but I just want to remind you. Here's Shannon Sharp saying the rumors that are dogging him about being gay. As long as they don't impact his finances, he doesn't care. And this relates to the point when I said these guys, when you start serving money, mammon, you throw all everything out the window. There's nothing you won't do, nothing you won't tolerate. You have no values. You don't have no principles. You have no integrity. All you want is the bag, and you don't care what you have to sacrifice to get it. Play the clip. First of all, them said I'm gay and this or that. It ain't
2: affecting my bottom line. I'm, I'm gay. I've been happy for for years. It don't. It ain't affecting my bottom line. Now. If it'll start to affect my bottom line, right. then I'm gonna see. I'm gonna make y'all put. I'm gonna put you make you put your cars on the table.
3: Yeah, it ain't gonna That's be no flush
2: either. I'm gonna make it you put no your flushed. cars on the table. But that don't bother me. It's that you
0: lied and you didn't have to? Do, do are you following along? Or are you following? This is. We are standing on the shoulders of ancestors, white and black, who made incredible sacrifices for our freedom. To be able to live in this country, to be able to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, to be able to go from what I went from, 400 square foot, one bedroom apartment, in the hood in Indianapolis in 1984, to one of the richest zip codes in all of America out in Westwood, California. And I'm not that smart. You can check my college and high school transcripts. What I am is reliable, I will show up, I will work hard, and I will be a man of my word. And I will make every attempt to improve. But I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm no one's genius, not even close. No one that has ever known me has been like, oh, this dude's a genius, or this dude, you know. My college teammates and friends, they, they sit around like, Whitlock? Locker room clown. Anyway, but this country, if you're willing to show up and be reliable and be responsible, you can make it. Graduate high school, get married, avoid Uh, out-of-wedlock kids, and you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to make it in America. And then you put a little elbow grease and work in, and Lord knows what you can accomplish. I'm looking at my friends that I've known for 40 and 50 years. I'm looking at the ones that graduated high school, didn't have outside babies, or didn't have a bunch of outside babies, and got married, and I'm looking at them, and I'm going, holy cow, look how Willie Clark's living compared to how his parents were living And Not that his parents were living bad, but I can see the elevation. I I see it. I see it with Tim Walton. I see it with Chuck Kelly. I see it with Frank Barnes. I see it with Todd Fennell. I see it with Caswell Dawson. These are my lifelong friends. Hell, I see it with Jeff George now, you know, he had a lottery ticket and talent. (laughs) But I see it. Jeff George White doesn't advance my narrative, but anyway, I'm just thinking this through, thinking it out loud in real time. But so, they want to tell you there's no opportunity, there's nothing that can, blah, blah, but their own lives defy that. Stephen A. Smith, flunk fourth grade, dyslexic, can barely write, and I'm just keeping facts out here, and this man's got the world by the tail, but he wants to, oh, it's racist, and I can't get ahead, and Ryan Clark, man miss me with all of that. I want to play you this clip. <laughs> Of Stephen A. Smith, and, and this is this jealousy and envy, and, and, and following the instructions of his puppet masters, he's, he's going, <laughs> Go out there and get him, Tiger. The white man is keeping you down. Go, go out there and promote the fight between the white man and, and uh, people of color, the black man. Go out there and promote it. You know, that's what's going on. It explains everything. Here he is talking about how, you know, black people like him are held to a higher standard. But as it pertains to me being black and the rules
1: being different for me than it would be for anybody white, male or female, you're damn right I said that and I meant it. I don't care if it's Pat McAfee. I don't care if it's Mike Greenberg. I don't care if it's Tony Kornheiser. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Scott Van Pelt. I don't care if it's Skip Bayless. I don't care who it is. The rules are different for black people. The standard is higher. The room for error and the room for mistakes are significantly tightened compared to what it is for folks in white America. Black folks have been talking about that for ages. So I only bring that subject up to say, for those of you out there that's trying to cause some kind of schism or divide, when it comes to me and a particular talent, whether it's McAfee, Greeny, Van Pelt, or anybody else, no, I don't get into that. I'm talking about black versus white. What, Taraji B. Henson was crying for nothing? when she talked about how much she gets paid compared to some of her counterparts. People were rallying around the Tyler Perry's of the world and others rallying around talking about that. Monique going off and, 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 and talking about things. You think that's an accident? Do I need to line up black artists, black business folks, black professionals? The beauty and the privilege of a black athlete is that the black athlete is the one person and the one place in this country, if not this world, where their level of compensation equals that or eclipses that of their white counterparts. Everywhere else you look, that's not the case when folks are on equal
0: settings. That's diversity, extortion, and income. And Stephen A's puppet masters, handlers, put that battery in his back. Stephen A, we are gonna play this race card. And and it didn't take much, because trust me, Stephen A was asked, hey, someone help me put this battery in my back. Uh, did you see Pat McAfee's contract? I'm irate about it, and I'm going to play the race card uh, to get it. A lot of what Stephen A is arguing is just flat out preposterous, and and, and I'm sorry if this makes people uncomfortable. And I know that as black people, much of our identity has been carved out in the lane we've been placed in, is that we're victims and that we, in 2024, are experiencing the same racism that we felt in 1924. And so that's our identity, and so when, when that becomes your identity, it's like when, when, when I was calling myself Big Sexy, I couldn't wait to go eat, and I couldn't wait to go to some pool party, or strip club, or Vegas party, or, or, or somewhere to be around young, loose women. So when I was Big Sexy, couldn't wait to go eat, and couldn't wait to go chase, some young, loose woman, because that was my identity. Wasn't who I really was. I'm an image bearer of God. And I'm, I'm much far, much more than that. But when you adopt the identity of I'm a victim and I might as well be Kunta Kente, you just run around looking for examples of that and you end up making it up. And that's what we've done. And that's why Again, we're able to ignore reality. We can watch, we can live in an environment, or we can have family that lives in an environment where the Bloods, Crips, Gangster Disciples, Vice Lords, and whoever else are dropping bodies daily, weekly, maybe hourly. But because our identity is that of victims, victims of white oppression, We will wait until once a year a cop slips up, not in our neighborhood, but anywhere in the country, maybe even anywhere on the planet. If a white cop slips up, not even a white cop, if a white looking man like George Zimmerman, who's a Latino, if he slips up anywhere in America, we will then pretend because we've uh, uh, adopted this victim mentality that we will pretend George Zimmerman's out here and Derek Chauvin they are here dropping all of these bodies it's so dangerous out here for us we will do that it's cosplay it's a game it's a gimmick and so Stephen A is acting like white men in sports media are held to some lesser standard, and they get away with so much more. And, and the reality is, we've watched over the last decade, well, we watch white men light their careers on fire with a slip of the tongue, a bad tweet. Uh, uh, <laughs> we watched, what's her name? Uh, Rachel Nichols, white woman have a private phone conversation where she doesn't say anything negative about Maria Taylor. We watched her get run out of the business. Someone secretly recording her private phone conversation doesn't say anything negative about Maria Taylor. She's run out of ESPN. We watched that in real time. I could go on with countless, countless examples. Stephen A commits an act of premeditated buffoonery at an unprecedented level. He sent out emails to his bosses. Hey, I'm fitting to act a complete fool. I'm fitting to act like a child In an hour-long podcast because I'm so angry Jason Whitlock has called out the lies in my memoir. And he goes on a profanity-laced 45 minute tirade with no consequences. Mer- not Maria. Rachel Nichols, private conversation, says nothing harmful. Run out of ESPN, secretly taped. This man premeditated buffoonery at historic levels. Nothing, but oh my God, he's held to such a higher standard. Stop it, stop it. And I I know, again, I've already explained to you about the identity we've adopted. We're victims, we're victims, everybody hates us, we're victims, they're, they're just holding us back. And I got all these opportunities and I can't write a lick and there were people that know the NBA and sports world far better than me that have never gone on TV and said, "Hey, kick that field goal on third down. If you miss it, you can kick it on fourth down." I'm the only one dumb enough to do that, but I'm held to the highest standard. Stop it! It's, but that's what we do. So uh, here's Stephen A. because he's really upset with Pat McAfee, and 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 I'll. I'll Get to McAfee here in a minute. But I want to hear Stephen A uh, taking a shot. a p- Nice, polite, but he's upset about. He's jealous of the money Pat McAfee's making. Uh, let's play that clip. I love Pat McAfee. He's a man. Love him to death. Love him to death. I love his swag.
1: I love the fact that he's an honest brother. He don't give a shit. he let you know exactly where he stands. That's my kind of dude. That works for me. Now, is he as polished politically as me? Nope. Because he has no desire to be, number one. And number two, if we're being honest, he's white and I'm black. He didn't have to be. I had to be. So I get all of that. And I'm not knocking him for it. I get it. Pat McAfee is a sensational talent. And it would be stupid for me not to root for him.
0: That's him taking a shot at Pat McAfee. I'm better than him. I'm more polished. He doesn't have to be. I'm held to such a higher standard. I've done so much more than him. Listen, man, Pat McAfee, timing's everything. And ESPN is struggling on YouTube. Uh, They're getting, you know, everybody's dropping. the, The linear model, cable model is dying. ESPN needed someone to fix their YouTube, their digital problem. Remember they tried Katie Nolan, remember? another diversity extortion and income person. She was gonna be the face of their digital presidents and no talent, got the job because she was down for the play. She fit the description, she fit the profile, she spoke for diversity. Didn't work, no work ethic, no real talent. And so Stephen A, just like me, is late to to the digital revolution. Pat McAfee was in there putting that digital work in, built up a platform, and he benefited financially because of the timing and what the need was at ESPN. He didn't get the opportunity, he didn't get the money because he's white. He got it because he built a platform that was powerful on YouTube, and ESPN just happened to need someone who built a platform that was powerful on YouTube. If Stephen A. had done it, he would have got that bag. And if Stephen A's not careful, which he may be too stupid, because Shannon Sharp has went out and built a YouTube powerful platform, and Stephen A knows it. And so ESPN may drop that bag on Shannon Sharp. Now, Colin Cowherd and The Volume have already hooked up with uh, Shannon Sharp. And, and what, sh- what Stephen A knows behind the scenes. And I'm about to give y'all an inside look. Cowherd and his partnership with Shannon Sharp at the volume. They're going to put, Cowherd and Sharp are going to put ESPN and Fox Sports in a bidding war for the volume, For a digital presence. And bags are going to be dropped on Cowherd and Shannon Sharp. As long as Shannon Sharp doesn't blow it up with idiocy and poor behavior, on the job. And Stephen A. Smith's on the outside looking in, claiming racism. Well, no, you didn't do what Pat McAfee did. You didn't do what Shannon Sharp did. Stop the cap. Stop lying. Deal with it as a man. And this is where all of this comes from with me. All this whining and crying and excuse-making is unmanly. Build it and you'll get what Pat McAfee got. Finally, same thing, this definitely goes uh, to Ryan Clark. I want to play his clip, tight, short, taking his pot shot at Pat McAfee.
2: I will, right? But it let me know that it's different for different people. Like I'm not going to be able to sit on my show and call out an executive by name and say that this executive is effing over me and then being a picture with another executive the next week because he's showing solidarity with me.
0: He's talking about Pat McAfee and the reason why he won't be able to do that is because Pivot, nice little YouTube platform. Nice job, Ryan. But it ain't the Pat McAfee show. It's not bringing that kind of heat. You don't have that kind of following. You're not authentic, Ryan. That's the issue. And so nobody wants to get in the mirror and deal with reality. Let me show you. Let me exemplify the kind of behavior you need to be doing as men. Take Jason Whitlock. Trust me on this. When it comes to sports journalistic talent, credentials, ability, I believe arrogantly, arrogantly, I take a backseat to no one. But here are the things that cost me that are under my control. I need to be 50 pounds lighter. That cost me some money. I, if I wanted the bag, I need to quit talking about Jesus Christ. Because corporate media doesn't pay for that. Third. I need to quit beefing with the media. But these are all choices I made. Talking about Jesus Christ, never going to happen. I'm not going to stop doing that. Will not happen. Uh, Beefing with the media. Yeah, I got into this business to beef with the media. I'm never stopping. I'm never gonna sell out on that. I've seen everybody in the media sell out on that. I'm not taking this, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, I have a great deal of respect for Bill Simmons. But you'll never see me do what Bill Simmons did. Remember, Bill Simmons was an outsider, took all kinds of pot shots at the media, used to ridicule, laugh, blah, blah, blah. But in order to secure the bag and the standing and the power and the influence that he wanted, he cut all that out. And he, he, Bill Simmons used to be politically incorrect. He cut all that out. Started caping up for women and Katie Nolan and all that. He cut all of it out and played the game. Hats off to him. I'm not jealous of him. I'm not not trying to disparage him. I'm just telling you the things that I've done that have cost me money. Now, the weight loss thing, I'm trying to address, I would like to address, uh, but it is what it is. I made the decision to, you know, uh, me and Ronald McDonald's, BFF, my ride or die, Ronald McDonald's, that was my choice. There's consequences for that. Talking about Jesus Christ, there's consequences for that. Beefing with the media, telling uncomfortable truths, there's consequences. I I can't point my finger at corporate media. Corporate media is very clear about what they like and what they'll tolerate. And I made a series of decisions based off of what I can and can't do. And so it is what it is. And so I'm not gonna sit around and whine. oh, they're racist! It's unmanly, it's ungodly. You cannot be a victim if you're standing with Jesus Christ, and that's why I don't like when Stephen A. Smith fronts like he's got some minister and he's some sort of Christian. And again, it's not for me to judge, but I'm just I am gonna look at the actions and be like, cut it out. You ain't about that life. You're just a different version of Deion Sanders. Oh God. Really hit that funny bone now. Oh, people clicking right now. Oh, it went long, you know, oh, Deion Sanders. Why'd you do it? What's he got to do with it? Deion's the greatest. He's always been this way. Deion. That's why all these dudes worship Deion because he's a radical materialist. His values come down to making money. Period. End of story. And that's why all these people cape up for him and love him and get upset anytime I criticize him. He's the blueprint that they're all trying to follow. So, <clears throat> as it relates to the, just for record keeping purposes, make sure I cover it all. Uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck and the money they got. And, and why, and it's, it's not racism, I'm sorry guys. These are just the facts. ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports It keeps trying to further and further its relationship with the NFL. It could not get a Super Bowl on ESPN or ABC unless it significantly upgraded its broadcast team. Their Monday Night Football broadcast team had been a disaster. I'm just sorry. And I'm sorry, Lewis Riddick. I'm sorry. I really like Booker McFarland. Jason Witten, I like and respect him. Uh, I can't remember the guy, the the play-by-play voice. Good dude, but not an NFL play-by-play voice at that level. And so ESPN had to overpay for Troy Aikman and Joe Buck in order to secure a Super Bowl with the NFL. This is is a overpayment of opportunity. It happens. Timing is everything. Cowherd. Uh, Skip Bayless. Why'd they get all that money from Fox Sports? Because Fox Sports, at that time, needed established brands to establish FS1. And so they overpaid for Cowherd and and Skip Bayless. Hats off to them. Hats off to them. Tom Brady. Fox loses Aikman and Buck, what I consider the gold standard of NFL broadcast teams at this time. And so they... (laughs) What can we do? We just lost Troy Aikman, America's quarterback, cowboy, three-time Super Bowl champion, does a great job. Oh, we'll pay the greatest NFL player of all time, Tom Brady. We'll pay him 30-some-odd million dollars and make him. It's an opportunity deal. You, you, when preparation meets opportunity, money reigns. And when you don't, when you're not prepared, Then you go, well, let me extort these people. Let me play the race card. And and so some of this does not apply to Shannon Sharp because I got to tip my hat to Shannon. He's been in the lab preparing. He's prepared something that's put him in position to cash in. And the people that haven't prepared or the people that don't have the talent. Stephen A, he's short on talent. He's certainly short on credibility. He's certainly short on Sports Insight. He's an installed plant that has no relationship with truth. Ryan Clark is about as mid as it comes when it relates to NFL coverage. This ain't Charles Barkley of football. This is someone that uh, just plays the race card once every other month, and that's where his relevancy comes from. He follows the script that the puppet masters gave him. He's overly dramatic. He's not authentic. He's not keeping it real. There's 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 nothing special about Ryan Clark. Does a nice job. Some he the group backing him somehow wormed him into a Sports Emmy Award. <sighs> I went longer than I thought, <clears throat> and I apologize. Probably gonna skip T.J. Mo. Uh, we'll go straight to Steve Kim. Uh, before we do that, I want to talk. <laughs> Has about our great friends at Preborn. As we sit here today, the lives of babies still in the womb, hang in the balance. I want to talk to you for a minute about the most important and pressing issue of our day, the lives of the unborn. They need our help. The ministry of Preborn empowers young, expected mothers in the crisis to choose life. Preborn has rescued hundreds of thousands of babies' lives through ultrasound. When a woman considering abortion visits a preborn center, she gets to hear her baby's heartbeat and meet that precious child on ultrasound, and it's a divine encounter. The majority of time, she will choose life for her baby. I'm proud to be affiliated with the organization that's not only working to save lives, but is succeeding. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women considering abortion, and over 200,000 babies have been saved. Those are amazing numbers let's do more, let's do better. Will you help rescue babies' lives? To donate, dial pound two five zero and say the keyword baby, that's pound two five zero keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash fearless. Uh, I just changed my mind, we're gonna squeeze TJ in here for just three, four minutes, I I want him to respond to one thing, then we're gonna go to Steve Kim, we'll tighten everything up, but we're gonna get it in, because I I I want TJ Moe's perspective uh, just on one thing, I I wanna, you know, the, the diversity extortion and income people are saying the white man's got it easy on easy street. I won't let a white man, and I don't know what TJ's gonna say. Maybe TJ agrees with Stephen A. Smith. We'll find out next. Hello, Fearless Army. I'm Jason Whitlock, your leader. I'm going to spend 2024 discussing growth and sacrifice. Hard times are here. Harder times are coming. What has stopped American growth and caused a regression in fundamental freedoms and values? A lack of sacrifice. Our ancestors sacrificed for our benefit. We have not sacrificed to protect the progress they died for. No sacrifice, no freedom. What impedes man's willingness to sacrifice? His ignorance, his perversion, his pride, his ingratitude, and his cowardice, his rejection of God. The Bible is a story about the power and the necessity of sacrifice. Sacrifice is the sun, rain, and fertilizer of growth. Growth is our life purpose. Grow in the knowledge, wisdom, fear, obedience, and reverence to the Most High growth requires sacrifice will be our theme for roll call 2.0 this summer june 1 right back here in nashville we're excited to welcome you let me spend a minute explaining what g-r-o-w-t-h actually stands for for us in the fearless army the g is for game plan in order to properly grow it's essential We work from the strategic game plan spelled out in the Bible. The R, responsibility. As we grow as men, we understand and accept our responsibilities to God, family, and teammates. The O, ownership. We embrace ownership of our destiny. Outsiders do not determine our fate. The W, wisdom. We honor, value, and share the wisdom imparted to us by elders, coaches, and leaders. The T, trust. We must be worthy of trust. The reliability of a man's word defines him far more than popularity and material possession. The age, humility, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. That's straight from Proverbs 22 and 4. Come join us in Nashville as we talk about growth and sacrifice and how without sacrifice there will be no growth. Roll call 2.0 right here in Nashville, Saturday, June 1st.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So,
4: whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today.
3: Your
2: savings are waiting
1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Polite terms for people who specialize in impolite terms. And you know, it's just Mm. like the thugs, they're not worried about being thugs. They got thug life tatted across their stomach. (laughs) Snoop Dogg <laughs> oh, Don't call too a thug What up y'all wait a minute Somebody looking at
2: me crazy well, What's up then
0: well, Do what you gotta do man See how you looking at me See how that go oh, Don't call that person the n-word I know they do it every five seconds To themselves Go on in Every year our culture seems to sink deeper and deeper into the quicksand of hopelessness and despair. Our moral compass no longer automatically points to the true north of truth and godliness, but more to the chaos of sin and doubt. It's time for men of this country to rise and put on the full armor of God so they can be leaders he's called them to be and to take a stand against the evil forces destroying us. Godly men need to meet together and encourage one another toward love and good deeds as it says in Hebrews. And that's what has inspired me and Fearless to organize our annual event. Fearless Army Roll Call 2.0 is brought to you this year by Preborn and it's an all-day event in Nashville, Tennessee on June 1st that will bring these men together under a united banner of godliness and responsibility. At this year's conference, you'll hear speeches from myself and other special guests. Come have your heart and mind filled with messages that God wants you to hear and share fellowship with your fellow Christians. This year, we're focused on growth requires sacrifice. We're going to inspire you to sacrifice. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com to reserve your spot today. Sponsored by Preborn. Let's get to T.J. Maul. T.J., I'm throwing you right into the fire. I'm just gonna put you right in the middle of the crosshairs. do, do white guys have it so much easier than black guys in America in 2024? Is, is, is corporate America overpaying you guys at every turn? And uh, just, I, I want your take. Well, i just, there's no way that Stephen A is actually this stupid.
5: I mean, he's going to have to explain DEI and the, and what DEI actually is. I mean, I told you the story about my real estate business is growing right now and we were meeting with banks and there was one bank led by a white guy who was thrilled to tell me they just fired half of their white guys to replace them with black people. And that was the only criteria. And so uh, you're going to have to tell me too. I mean, we've talked a lot about this. You're going to have to explain to me how when black people show up late, wear their pants down to their knees, and speak in a way that virtually nobody can understand, that that's, you shut up, TJ, that's racist. How dare you notice those things? But if a white guy did that, of course, we'd fire him, we'd call him white trash, and then we move on to somebody who's obviously taking their life a little bit more seriously. I mean, Stephen A, I remember you getting up on television and saying the N-word twice, and you still got a pretty good job. How would a white guy be doing right now if he did that?
0: I guess people would say, well, he's owed those reparations, Stephen A. is, because of what happened 150 years ago. uh, TJ, you you said a mouthful. You kept it all the way real, and I'm glad I've created that environment uh, for people to keep it real. And and I know people will be upset with me, but we have to deal with reality In, in terms of affirmative action. We're watching across America and all in academia and every place. Standards are being lowered, so that academic standards, uh, requirements for to be on law enforcement, everything's being lowered so under the guise that we need more black people in and women in these jobs. So now in the military. You don't have to do as many push-ups. You don't have to run as fast. Now in academia, if you're black, your SAT score can be 300 points lower than everybody else's. In law enforcement, it, ah, maybe you got some misdemeanor or something. We'll overlook it. Uh, you don't have to score as high on the test. It's a crazy statement that Stephen A. is making. <laughs> that you know somehow uh, these standards uh, you know are so much higher for black men than for white men. It's just not true, and I know I'll be hated for it, but it's just the truth, and so I, I just gotta say it. Final thought, and then I'm gonna let you go.
5: Now, I mean, what you're really saying is is that the Marxist elites are using black people to destroy all objective standards. They're sowing chaos, and when there's enough chaos, then people find someone who can create stability. So black people, per usual, as we've seen, are being used, and it would be nice if we all recognized it.
0: Thank you, TJ. Uh, Great job. Uh, Duck your head over Twitter when we release this clip. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's just facts. I'm just sorry. Uh, Stick with us. Uh, Steve, Kim, Korean, Cosell, next. Uh
1: Vince Everett Ellison, previously on Fearless.
2: And I heard King say this. He said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. And I said, that was it. That's the poison pill. Because like I said, that was a lie because I was born free. My freedom is a gift from God. Like John Locke said, it's irrevocable, non-transferable, and unsellable. It's an unalienable right. And Thomas Jefferson said that these unalienable rights are unalienable rights, to freedom, is the, freedom is, is the right that we use to tell King George, uh-uh, we, you are not sovereign over us. God is sovereign over us. Our rights come from God. They do not come from government. And King said, we have, we're coming to government to guarantee our unalienable rights. And that's a lie, these rights come from God.
3: that all right welcome back
0: uh, Steve I apologize I went on a tangent and I'm I'm late getting to you but uh, I do really want your thoughts wh- wh- wheres this all heading this feud among high-profile media people and This war, this race war we got going on in the sports media, to me, it's clear as day. You got uh, the white guys, Pat McAfee and Tony Romo on one side and Troy Aikman, and you got Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, and Ryan Clark on the other. Where's this all headed?
4: Uh, Well, first of all, no need to apologize. I just call this Whitlock time. As far as I'm concerned, you're 10 minutes early. So thanks, Jason, (laughs) for your version of punctuality. All right, so here's the interesting thing. I heard the Ryan Clark tangent uh, where he was definitely referencing Pat McAfee. And he says, well, I couldn't have done this. A bunch of what about isms. And and I'm kind of thinking to myself, I wonder if Pat McAfee would ever have the gumption. And I don't want to say guts because I I think he looks at Ryan Clark as, I don't want to say beneath him, but not on his level. I wonder if he'd ever say something like, yeah, but I can't race bait 365 days of the year and leverage white guilt. So it kind of goes both ways. In fact, the only thing that Ryan Clark didn't burst out with was, what about Favre? You know, that's a popular one. <laughs> but I, I do think it, it is interesting. But here's the difference. Pat McAfee is, is higher up on the totem pole. Um, he's worth more. He has a daily live show that he anchors that has his name on it, and he created leverage for himself. And, you know, this whole notion that everyone is treated equally, it's simply not true. I'll I'll repeat the words of the great uh, James William Johnson, better known as Jimmy Johnson, to the American public. uh, I treat everyone fairly, which means differently.
0: Yeah, And the other thing that I I went through and tried to explain, for all of these guys, it's a a timing deal. Like, ESPN has a problem in the digital space. They tried Katie Nolan. She was going to be the face of their digital movement. She's got a Snapchat show and blah, blah, blah. And they figured out, well, she's got no juice, no work ethic, no real talent. That's not going to work. And, and then they look around at Stephen A. Smith. He's not in that lane. And, and so they need a, a solution. And here's Pat McAfee with this monstrous yep. YouTube following. And so they overpay him because that's what happens when you have something that's in limited supply and you have it in great supply. Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck. ESPN needed to fix its Monday Night Football crew in order to get a, a Super Bowl. Great timing for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, particularly when Romo had set the bar in 2017. Tom Brady's now getting paid because Fox uh, lost Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. It's a timing thing, I think, far more, because I think if Shannon Sharp doesn't blow himself up, he and Colin Cowherd are going to auction off that volume for a record amount of money to ESPN or Fox Sports, and, and and Shannon Sharp's going to benefit from building his YouTube following and channel. That's what you got to do. It's open. It's been available to everybody.
4: Uh, as it relates to Mr. Sharp, I think you mean to say if someone doesn't blow him up. Let's just be honest about that. But <laughs> here's the issue. You talk about timing. It, it kind of reminded me, and it's not a perfect analogy, but remember Scottie Pippen's contract That was just terrible that he signed in 1991, and he was absolutely miserable for about five years of that deal. Uh, Because I think he signed it in 91 because there was pressure on him because of his family situation. And I remember watching a couple of documentaries. I think Last Dance was certainly one of them where Jerry Reinsdorf said, look, I just want you to know uh, this is the deal you signed. It's a longer-term deal than I would do if I were you. But once you sign the deal, the deal is the deal. And I still remember watching these graphs of how Scottie Pippen wasn't even among the top four or five players on the Bulls in terms of payroll. And for a guy that was probably a top five player, Jason, I think he was like rated in the 100s in terms of his overall salary across the league. But again, timing, he signed the deal. He has to live up to it. Now, here's the question. Do you think Ryan Clark, Scottie Pippen, do you think he's even at that level? Not sure about that.
0: Steve, I mean Steve, I, I am completely convinced he's not even close. He, he, <laughs> not even
4: Steve, horse. Grant? I'm not
0: trying to. <laughs> Bill Cartwright? <laughs> no, I mean, maybe Cartwright, but I, I'm not even trying to be. I don't wouldn't even put him on Cartwright because Cartwright has something that can't be coached, and that's height. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Clark. Everything about Ryan Clark is replaceable. He, he, yeah. I mean, seriously, do you think there's not? A Congo line of, of uh, uh, black former athletes that could come on and play the race card every other week on ESPN? I mean, sir, well, well, that's what he Jason, does.
4: if you really wanted to test his own value and build something that he owns, right? He does that Pivot podcast, right, with Fred Taylor and Shane yes. Crowder. They've had some success. They do a good job. I've watched some of their yes. interviews. Some mm-hmm. of them I've really liked. Okay, do what Pat McAfee did. Go live for three hours, five days a week. Turn it into a real show. Now, I don't know what Channing Crowder's got going on. I don't know what Fred Taylor's got going on. But I will never, ever be derisive or say that Pat McAfee is quote-unquote overpaid. You get what you are worth. You get what you can, and you get what you eat. That's what it is. But he made a commitment for several years, him and his crew. Hey, guys, every morning for about three to four hours plus prep time – We're going to go out there and we're going to grind and we're going to put in work and let's live off the upside. He's now living off the upside. Maybe, and I don't know, maybe Ryan Clark does that with the pivot and tries to turn it into a three-hour or two-hour multi-hour live show. But again, it's easier said than done. It's one thing to do a podcast or show once a week or here and there, but to actually have a devoted schedule where Monday through sometimes Friday and Saturday, you're saying, you know, we're putting out content. Again, easier said than done.
0: Yeah, what's a lot easier is to play the race card on mm-hmm. ESPN. And, and ESPN really deserves it because they've set that kind of environment and culture. They've, and again, I said this last week to you, it's just like, when they gave Mina Kimes $1.7 million a year for mm-hmm. regurgitating analytics and stats, and pretending, and, and this is why this is why I'm saying Ryan Clark needs—they're not authentic. That they're going after Pat McAfee because again they've been instructed. They know that's fertile territory. The white man—he's evil. He's bad. He will not address the fact that Mina Kimes—he has to be part of selling Mina Kimes as if yeah. she knows something about the NFL. And trust me, that takes a toll. On a man that played in the NFL at a high level. He knows he's lying. He knows, like, oh, I, I gotta do this game and I gotta cover up for the fact that, you know, I, I gotta play this game like this little Asian woman knows football the way that I do. And, and, and so, again, talk about that. That That's one, it's truthful. She's overpaid. It makes Ryan Clark think that, hey, I'm worth four times more than Mina Kimes or twice as much as Mina Kimes. Uh, He's not as valuable as Pat McAfee. Shut, it's not even close to shut up about it, but because of this diversity equity, and or diversity extortion, and income <laughs> game they got going on, he can't attack a teammate. He Meena yeah. Kimes is a teammate, and she gets to benefit from her complexion and vagina.
4: I mean, I, I get it now. Pat McAfee now benefits from punter privilege. But again, back to my point, your old cohort at Speak for Yourself, Marcellus Wiley, every day uh, goes out there and creates content, built himself a nice little studio. I think it's at home. And every day I can count on his stuff coming up on my YouTube, the full show and clips. I have a lot of respect for that because he basically said Marcellus Wiley believes in Marcellus Wiley, but I'm going to put in the work. Pat McAfee did it. And there's a lot of good, solid YouTube content creators that every single day they are on that grind doing it. And I just, I wish them, that's why I like to publicize them, especially the ones that I like, because they're putting in the work. They're trying to live the American dream. But just as a guy that's made a lot of money the way Ryan Clark did, uh, and I'm going to use this word, wine, Okay, Just to whine and cry about his situation instead of going out there and creating a better situation out there. Again, as they call it, those are first world problems. And the everyday average American citizen is really not going to have a lot of empathy for him.
0: Steve, I'm going to give you someone who's doing what you're talking about that's off the radar. Obviously, I have a bias. He's a friend of mine. But LeVar Arrington and T.J. Husmanzada and Plexico Burris have put their heads down and created this up-on-game brand. It's a Fox Sports radio show. They put out some podcasts. Uh, LeVar does uh, uh, two, what is it, two bros and a joe with uh, Brady Quinn, the radio show on Fox Sports, and I forget the other guy's name. But these guys have just put their heads down and are just chopping wood and putting the work in. No one sees them coming, and that that's... I'll give Ryan Clark credit for starting the pivot. But it's just like you said. That's once a week, maybe twice a week. It's it's not the kind of grind that Pat McAfee did. And and what what they know is there's a shortcut. I can just play the race card and stand on a stack of race cards so that I'll look as tall as Pat McAfee. And, And I don't have a lot of sympathy for ESPN, because they created that culture where that is allowed. They they let the broadcasters go on and smear kids at BYU, Drew Brees. And so the fact that Stephen A. and and Ryan Clark are going to, hey, you know what? We're going to smear Jimmy Pataro and the executives, uh, Burke Magnus, uh, Norby Williams. We're going to smear them. Okay. You... you, you Lower profile people get smeared on ESPN or people without power get smeared on ESPN. How's that medicine? How how's them apples taste? Or what, what what they say in Goodwill Honey? Is that didn't they say how them apples taste? Or anyway. Anyway, you're you're I don't feel sorry for ESPN.
4: No, and I certainly don't feel sorry for Ryan Clark. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but the average American salary is between 45 and fifty thousand dollars a year, and, and that's really for people that work a real job, and I mean real job as and you got to clock in, you got to beat traffic, you're there from about nine to five, um, and, and sometimes you're stuck in a cubicle. This is not what you wanted to do when you're a kid, but th- these people have professional obligations, and there's certain honor to the everyday working class. That's where I come from. I saw my parents go to work every day, whether they liked it or not, and they had ups and downs in their business lives, and. People like that are not going to look at somebody who's making high six to seven figures talking about his situation the way he is and saying, you know what, we hope you make it." it. It doesn't work like that. Nobody feels sorry for you in this life. okay? but at the same time, he still has a right and the opportunity to cash in on his name, the brand that he has built, and to be a capitalist. I mean, if you look at it, the pivot is a brand. I've looked at their numbers. They're very solid. They have built something. But if he wants to be Pat McAfee, a guy that he's throwing hand grenades at, you know what? Okay, so here's what you do. You want to be Pat McAfee or get his type of treatment? Do what he did. Five days a week, three, four hours a day, put in that work, and you'll be rewarded for it. Or not. It's the risk you take.
0: Steve, I want to switch up topics to – this is a uh, social media feed, Twitter feed that you turned me on to, the scap attack. Mm, Uh, My guy. They put out some nice NBA content, and (laughs) he went after uh, LeBron James. Basically called him a pathological liar. This this seems like it mirrors my attack on Stephen A. Smith, but uh, let's watch this uh, scap attack, and you guys, I think – Am I right, Is it just scap attack on Twitter? I want to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm crediting this guy in his well, heart. Well, Jason, on YouTube. Yeah, scapata- yeah. At scap attack, yeah.
4: Yeah, and Jason, on, on YouTube, just go S-K-A-P, scap, attack, and bang. Enjoy. Binge. Do what you want.
0: I'm sorry. S- say it again. I think our audience heard it, but I, I didn't. Someone was in my ear.
4: Yeah, the scap attack is S K. A P, Not C. S-K-A-P attack. Punch it, punch it up on your YouTube uh, search feed. Bang. Enjoy. Binge. Four hours down the drain. Just like that. Just scap attack and chill.
3: <laughs> You'll be good. All right. Well, here's his latest uh, on LeBron James. Somehow, LeBron's sage words of insight into his potential final season were lost. When asked about the prospect of announcing his final year in advance and going on, in effect, a farewell tour, James was conflicted.
1: I'm
2: 50 50. Um, I'm going to be honest.
3: I mean, sure, sure. For the fans, he would consider it. I guess I owe it to my fans that's been along this journey with me for two decades plus but and get this james also thinks it would be a bit awkward and he would feel uncomfortable for one major reason
2: i've never been that great with um accepting like praise Um, It's a a weird feeling for me.
3: And amid the career exploits of one of the biggest hypocrites in all of sports history, a protracted 21-year examination into his two-faced lies, and quite possibly, this is the most hilarious thing he has ever uttered. Not that good at accepting praise. What? No one is better at praising themselves than LeBron James, the most insufferable narcissist not just in sports history, but quite possibly that has ever walked the earth. His legendary exploits of self-aggrandizement have been well-documented. From having chosen one inked on his back at just the age of 17, to declaring himself the GOAT after a teammate hit the game-winning series-clinching shot to win LeBron just his third title in, at the time, his 13th season. That one so, right there it made
5: me the greatest player of all time.
3: And in recent years, deploying such nauseating tactics, such as having his wife call him the GOAT.
2: The GOAT, respectfully, LeBron James.
3: Traveling to parties with live goats, and outright making his own name a synonym for the term goat.
2: Because I went to LeBron James of
3: feet. No, make no mistake, this guy is damn good at accepting praise. In fact, if there is one thing he's the goat of, it's at accepting praise. Sorry, I meant he is the LeBron James of accepting praise.
5: <laughs> ah!
0: Uh We're gonna get Scap on the show at some point I have talked to him Uh, but anyway uh, your thoughts on LeBron James he's really uncomfortable with praise that's like Steve I get really really nervous whenever a double fillet of fish is you know it makes me uncomfortable overeating makes me uncomfortable but uh, your thoughts.
4: I mean, first of all, scap attack is like the Steven Spielberg or the Francis Ford Coppola of YouTube NBA channels. I don't watch the NBA anymore. I just watch scap attack and I scap attack somebody and I'm just going to watch. I mean, just going to enjoy it. I've been I've been spreading out his stuff to everybody. It's been it's been uh, spreading like wildfire to all my friends who are sick of what's going on. But Jason, I wanted to make an analogy because nobody fishes for compliments quite like old LeBron. So I Googled it and I learned something today. I put in... Greatest fisherman of all time. You know who was number one, believe it or not? Old Ernie Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway is considered among the greatest fishermen of all time. So LeBron is the Ernest Hemingway of the NBA because he doesn't just put out a pole and try to reel in. He puts out a whole doggone net like one of those Japanese people in Okinawa trying to get all the shrimp or whatever they do, the carp, at one time. I, I think this is an interesting thing. I remember some of these farewell tours. It all began with Dr. J in 84, 85, I believe. And it was a beloved one. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when he went on his retirement tour, (laughs) he wasn't the most exactly the beloved guy, but with the way he handled himself, everybody was very, very respectful. Jordan's last year in Chicago in 98 was different because we really didn't know if he was going to come back or not, although the writing was on the wall. And then there was a lot of tributes in this last year, I believe in 2002 or three with the Washington Wizards. The thing with LeBron is it would not surprise me if in certain cities that the reception would be mixed if you did such a tour.
0: Steve, you just made a fascinating point. Wow. I didn't... (laughs) That is a great point, and that may be why LeBron is 50-50. He may be, and his handlers may be wise enough to know that (laughs) in 15 cities, you might have protesters, you might have hecklers, you may have, you know, a lot of people uh, angry with LeBron James because there's going to be an analysis of what LeBron has wrought at some point And and it won't just be scap attack that's addressing this. It'll be a lot of us. And I'm telling he's leaving the NBA in worse shape than what he founded. And he will be directly credited for that. This whole player empowerment, all built around LeBron James, has created not just chaos in the NBA, but this whole mentality, it's affected college football, it's affected college sports, the players, the players, the players. All authority being removed from coaches. Now, the fans may boo, but there will be a lot of NFL, NBA owners, uh, NBA executives, owners in other sports that will come to celebrate the exit of LeBron James. There, the people in power that have been tired of dealing with the LeBron James effect will be celebrating this man's exit Fans in the stands may be, you know, booing him on his way out the door. You make a hell of a point that, you yeah. know, this this won't be Dr. J. And
4: Jason, I want to make this point. It's not going to be a, a majority of fans, but there will be a scattering of boos. But in a situation like that, it's supposed to be unanimous that you are a beloved figure. Uh, I remember specifically with Dr. J uh, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that every city that they went to the last time, they would give him gifts. They'd give him, like, a motorcycle or a rocking chair or a set of jazz uh, albums for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, what are you going to give LeBron? Like, a Kindle? LeBron, we want to present you with this Kindle. Yeah, we Yeah, or a yeah, or hairline. Yeah, but I'd be like, LeBron, this Kindle <laughs> is for you because we know damn well you're not reading any of these books. I mean, it would be awkward. I <laughs> <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> It, Maybe one of the most conflicted man, you, things ever.
0: Yeah, th- that's, that's uh, Steve. I'm sorry I was late getting to you, but uh, as always, no, no, you, you delivered.
4: No, you were early. Trust yeah. me. Trust me. Yeah, when you, you del- say, look, when man, you I, say I, this I, time, I put an extra 45 minutes. I'll be okay. I'll be ready by then. Don't look. I cover boxing. I, Nothing ever starts on time in that. That has prepared me well for the Whitlock experience. It's a fun ride.
0: I started on time. I just rambled longer than I thought. I just had more to say than I thought. Oh, trust
4: me. Uh, Trust me, I know, I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Uh, We'll see you next week. We won't see Steve tomorrow because, man, we got a great interview tomorrow. D1, the rapper, the Christian rapper, uh, D1's gonna be here for a sit-down one-on-one interview right here in Nashville. It's terrific. Uh, you're going to love it. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow.
2: feeling like a nothing in life, like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moose for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back. For freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving, we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.